Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Well, it's been a long time since I had a chance to stand up here and preach to you. It's good to be back. It's good to, to, to be here. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, we finished Jonah on July 18th, actually. So that's how long it's been uh, since I had a chance to preach here. I'm so grateful for uh, the chance to get away on vacation. Um, and I know that during the time I was gone, under the ministry of, of Don Berglund and Pastor Val and Pastor Debbie, uh, you were well cared for. And I have no doubt of that. But it's good to be home. It's good to be back uh, and to be here. So for the, for the past couple of weeks, Val and Debbie preached from the lectionary readings uh, in, these, in these months from the book of John. Um, I had warned them that as I returned, I would, I would likely be heading back there as well. Um, we talk about the lectionary from time to time. The lectionary is this three-year cycle of scriptures um, that, that help preachers give kind of a pattern and, and a rhythm to their preaching. Uh, and they kind of cycle in three years. So there's year A, year B, and year C. Um, This year we're in year B, uh, and year B kind of focuses the gospel readings on uh, the gospel of Mark. Okay, and as we went through our summer series on Jonah, though, uh, I think I even complained about it a little bit as we went through. I I kept missing these texts. I was like, oh, this would be a good one to preach from Mark. Um, And so I'm kind of jumping back out of order and and picking up a couple of the Mark texts that we skipped. while we went through the book of Jonah. Um, Mark is the shortest gospel of of the four gospels that we have. Um, So because it's the shortest gospel, they kind of sneak in some John texts in year B, more in in year B than any other other, uh, year in the the three of the the cycle. But I decided I wanted to head back into Mark and and cover some of those texts that we missed while we were going through the book of Jonah. Is that right with you? You okay with that? You don't really have a choice, but, you know, it's kind of polite to ask or something. I don't know. If, you, if, it's, if you're not, you can come up here and take my spot, and we'll, we'll listen to you for a little bit, see what you've prepared. Um, so today, we're going to read from Mark chapter 4, out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. I invite you to stand for those that are willing and able. Um, Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 26 and reading through verse 34 from the Common English Bible this morning. Then Jesus said, this is what God's kingdom is like. It's as though someone scatters seeds, scatters seed on the ground, then sleeps and wakes day and night. The seed sprouts and grows, but the farmer doesn't know how. The earth produces crops all by itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full head of grain. When the crop is ready, the farmer goes out to cut the grain because it's harvest time. 
He continued, what's a good image for God's kingdom? What parable can I use to explain it? Consider a mustard seed. When scattered on the ground, it's the smallest of all the seeds on earth. But when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all vegetable plants. It produces such large branches that the birds in the sky are able to nest in its shade. With many such parables, he continued to give them the word as much as they were able to hear. He spoke to them only in parables, then explained everything to his disciples when he was alone with them. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. I wanted to start this morning um, kind of just talking a little bit about this book, this book of Mark, um, the Gospel of Mark. We haven't really had the opportunity to walk much with Mark so far. We did, we did touch on it as we went through Lent. And, and you'll remember the odd Easter text that we had. Remember when, when the, the women encountered Jesus and they, it says they went away scared and said nothing to anyone. They, they, they just stayed quiet. Um, Mark is this unique book. Um, and it can kind of stir some strong opinions in people. Um, originally, uh, Mark wasn't, was kind of the unpopular gospel. It kind of started out uh, as, uh, yeah, it's in the Bible, but we're not, we don't use it much. We're not, we're not really sure why. Um, it's short. It's abbreviated. The, 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 the text burns through narrative really fast. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like the pocket versions of Matthew and Luke, right? It's, it's some, it had been, at least in some, at some points in biblical scholarship, somewhat ignored or pushed to the side. It kind of changed in the 20th century um, in, in the interpretation of Scripture. The 20th century came around in a form of, of looking at the Bible that, that evaluated what sources did the authors get their material from came out. They were interested, where, where did they get these stories? And, and there was, and there still is, strong evidence that, that Mark was the first gospel written, and, and that Mark and Luke borrowed from Mark to help them write their gospels. All of a sudden, people were very interested in Mark. This is, this is the newest gospel, or, or the oldest gospel. It was the, it was the first one written. Mark's gospel really probably ought to be sat and read or spoken in one sitting, um, which is a commitment, okay? It's it's a fast gospel. It's quick moving. Constantly, the author throws in, you know, and immediately the the group went here or or right then the, the disciples chose to go and to leave, jumping from action to action in the gospel with never really staying in one place uh, for too long. You remember the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew, right? Um, three chapters long. Jesus goes up on a hill and, and has this teaching, and it has him, him there through three chapters of that book. It doesn't happen much in Mark. Mark keeps the story moving and, and really creates this sense of urgency, like, like Christ was on a mission. Jesus was going somewhere, had purpose, had a point to what he was doing. There are no birth stories in the book of Mark. If, if you think about Christmas time, sometimes we spend time in Matthew. Sometimes we spend time in Luke. We don't ever spend time in Mark because nothing's there. There's no resurrection appearances in the original ending of Mark. Um, Jesus is a little tough on his disciples in Mark. Uh, it kind of 
kind of confrontational a little bit. Uh, I read somewhere this week that the average read time for the Gospel of Mark is about an hour and a half. So I'm putting this challenge out here. I'm going to find an hour and a half this week, and I'm going to read through the whole Gospel of Mark, uh, and I challenge you to do that Do that with me, okay? I'll, I'll take a little survey next week. I'm warning you right now. So um, you can plan on it. Spend an hour and a half with me in the Gospel of Mark. We're gonna, the reason being, we're going to spend some more time with Mark as we go along uh, through this book over the next several, several weeks, and I'm excited to dive in. But as we dive into this particular text, it's interesting to me to know that this is, the first, this is Mark's first time having talked about the kingdom of God. Matthew talks about it a lot, but this is the first time it shows up in the book of Mark, where he says, the kingdom of God is like... He had just introduced this idea of, of seeds earlier in this chapter. If you look at the beginning of chapter 4, you have one of the famous parables, one of, one of the glitzy ones, one of the ones that, that is, shows up in all of, all of the Gospels, at least all the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It talks about how seed was scattered all over, and some falls on the path, and what happens to that? snatched away by the birds, right? Some falls on rocky soil and, and it grows, but it doesn't grow any roots and so it withers. Some falls among thorns, it grows, but it's choked out and produces no fruit. And it says some fell on good soil and produces 30 or 60 or even 100 times uh, the crop that was sown. We love this parable. I mean, it, it, this is one of the popular ones. This is one of the good ones that we like. Lord, make me good soil. Help me be good soil, right? We we pray. Apparently, the other gospel writers thought so too, because it's one of the ones that they borrowed. Okay, it shows up in Matthew. It shows up in in Luke. It even makes the Gospel of Thomas, which you're like, I don't see that one, preacher. Where are you going with that one? Um, Thomas, the Gospel of Thomas was one of the gospels that was considered to be put in the Bible, but didn't quite make the cut. It shows up in that piece of Christian writing as well. But this first little lesson about the kingdom in the gospel of Mark is not that way. It's not quite so easy. It's not quite so popular. And in fact, neither Matthew nor Luke picks up this one. They say, eh, we don't need to, we don't include, we don't need to include this one. Not, we're going to leave it out. It's kind of odd. This first four, the, this first four verses make up this, this parable and it's kind of odd Asking us the question, what do we do? Leaves us asking the question, what do we do with this, this little story? Uh, it, it's even a little difficult to know where to focus our attention in this story. Do we focus on the farmer? The farmer is certainly a, a character, a, a, a player in this story. He has to scatter seeds. Although it doesn't say that the farmer scatters the seed. It just says that the seed was scattered. And then what else does the farmer mentioned doing? He wakes. <laughs> he sleeps. That's all he does in the process of growth is he wakes and he sleeps. And then it comes to harvest time and then, then the farmer needs to go out and harvest the grain that has grown. Do we focus on the plant in this story? It starts as seed, it sprouts and grows, eventually growing into a harvest and a, and a productive grain. 
where do we focus our attention in this parable? I was struck by a concept that, that is really actually hard for me to believe personally. The writer implies here that the ground produces the grain by itself. Did you hear, did you hear that? It's at the start of verse 28. It says, the earth produced crops all by itself. First the stock, then the head, then the full head of grain. For a guy that struggles to grow anything, this is kind of offensive. Um, there, there are really only two things that I think grow automatically in this world, dandelions and goat heads. <laughs> they grow fine all by themselves. It's almost as if the farmer is meant to be a, a passive player in this process. And that's not fair to farmers. Uh, I, I'm not a farmer. I've never been a farmer, but I don't think that's very fair to farmers. Um, Farmers are about the hardest working people uh, that I know. Uh, up early, hard labor, late hours, bound by the cycles and rhythms of growth and harvest, affected by factors uh, such as weather and climate and irrigation. And while the farmer has to provide for these plants, I was reminded today of this simple and convicting truth, that the growth is really up to the plant and to the land. God will grow his kingdom. God will grow. God's in charge of growing the kingdom of God. Amen? That it's not up to us. It's not up to you and to me. And like the farmer, we wake and we sleep, but the growth is up to God. Sometimes I think we mess this up. Maybe it's, maybe it's just me. Uh, sometimes I get this sense that I'm a little bigger factor in the process than I, than I really am. We do need to scatter seed. We do need to scatter seed. We do need to be ready to share our faith. I was in the, uh, in the hardware store um, earlier this week, and, and um, somebody... Somebody, the, the guy at the checkout said, so you're the pastor at, at that church, are you? And I said, yeah. And, and it's always a weird conversation for me, right? Are they, are they now careful about what they're going to say to me? Or are they asking a question here? What kind of response are they looking for? Um, and, and I just said, are, do you attend church anywhere? Do you go anywhere? And he said, oh, no, I, don't know. I, I read a lot. I read the Bible a lot, but I don't go to church anymore. It's like, mm, well, you're welcome anytime. You're welcome anytime. I think it's up to us to scatter the seed and, and, to, and to make that invitation and say, this is a place where you can grow. This is a place where you'll be received warmly, a place of grace, a, a place of generosity. And I think we need to do that. We do need to be ready at harvest time. There's always a role for people at harvest. But it's God's work, right? God will bring about God's kingdom in God's own time. I could sometimes inflate in my mind my own importance. You know, like, like it's critical. It's writing on me. And God spoke to me this week and said, God God's kingdom is named God's kingdom for a reason. 
and we get to participate, we get to work alongside the God's in charge. There's a beautiful trust and partnership built into the process of farming. Again, I'm not a farmer, that's clear. But we work alongside of God and the soil and the earth and the seed in the process of farming. Scripture takes time to mention that the farmer sleeps <laughs> and the farmer wakes. That's not real exciting writing there. Uh, just like everybody else, the farmer sleeps and the farmer wakes. But I think God thinks, I think God thinks that rest might be important. Knowing there's only so much that we can do. Knowing that that, that burden and, and that, that weight that we can feel sometimes, that it's, that it's on us and depending on us, isn't really healthy. The kingdom really does belong to God. Amen? And so do we. So do we. We get to partner with God and say, I want to participate. I want to step in. I want to, I want to be there when I can. There are times when our effort and engagement are called for and we lean in. But Mark here is clearly implying God is at work building the kingdom. And we join in. We have this opportunity to, to create an environment in which the growth can happen. Create an environment that, that when people come, they know they're welcome. They know they're loved. They know that people are here ready to walk with them and to grow with them and to show them the way and to work alongside of God, to cooperate with God in what God is doing about God's kingdom. In the second par parable, Jesus uses the one about the mustard seed. Okay, this, this clearly is a, a correction uh, on our obsession with external factors. We, we people like to, to have the external figured out. We like it big. We like it flashy. We like the impact. Here is this tiny seed, diminutive at the start, that grows into one of the largest plants available in, in the Middle Eastern gardens. It says the largest of all the garden plants, the mustard plant, a place for birds to land and rest. I, I heard several commentators this week um, talk about the imagery that, that the birds of the air were, were uh, was a term that they would use to call all those other people, all the Gentiles. Ah, they're like the birds of the air. They're just kind of flitting around. They're, they're clueless. They don't know Yahweh. They don't know what's, what's going on. And several commentators said, maybe this is the, the, the gospel writer saying, even early on in the process, saying, this is how we are going to bring in all of God's children. The Gentiles, the outsiders, the ones who don't get it. Out of this really small thing comes something big and beautiful, something available to everyone. I was, uh, 
speaking of, of something small into something, something big, um, this past week, uh, I tend to follow baseball. It's kind of a, uh, it's a, it's a painful process for us Mariner fans. Um, um, but this week they did something that was just kind of really cool. There was this old movie, I think it was made in the 80s, called Field of Dreams. Um, guy by the name of Kevin Costner, who's done some really good movies and done some really poor movies. Um, <laughs> it's not his fault. There are other writers. But um, anyway, he, he, there was this little movie called Field of Dreams. Have you, has it, who's watched Field of Dreams? It just... You can raise it like this if you don't want anybody to know. Um, but it's really a slow-moving, kind of boring movie. Um, that, that, and, I, and I failed to look up a, a summary of the movie so I could give this concisely. But um, a movie where this guy builds a, a baseball field out in a cornfield in Iowa. And then all these magical baseball players come walking out of the corn and he starts playing baseball with them. Clearly this movie is low budget. Um, but it's really kind of fun for baseball fans, right? Like we can kind of geek out on it. Anyway, Major League Baseball built a, a standard, a, a Major League Baseball park stadium in this same cornfield. And so they played a game out on this full-sized um, baseball field this past week, and they made the players, like, walk out of the corn in, into the baseball field. I'm like, man, they're getting paid a lot. But um, um, it was really kind of cool for baseball fans. And I, was just, I just thought, out of this something that was really kind of small, kind of tacky movie that, that, that was... Uh, so clearly, some of you like it. Um, <laughs> this slow-moving movie really created something that, that got a lot of hype. Um, the team that was behind came back in the top of the ninth, and then there was a walk-off homer in the bottom of the ninth. I think they might have scripted the thing, right? Like, um, the point wasn't lost on me that out of something small, something big can come. And I think that's the point of that second parable in our scripture today is that sometimes what we have to offer God and what he calls us to do and the ways in which we say, I want to lean in and I want to participate with God in building this kingdom. I think God can do something big, something transformative, something significant with our small Seemingly small efforts. As the priest team comes up to close us out this morning, let me see if I can, can tie these, these two sections together. One of the themes of Mark that I, I really didn't mention before is this realization that the people who should have, should have understood Jesus, the ones who should have gotten it in Mark, usually are the ones that are left unchanged unaffected by what God says, unaffected by the ministry of Jesus. The ones who should have understood miss Jesus' point and miss Jesus' message. Kind of turn their noses up. They kind of explain it away. There's no power. There's no miracles that Jesus can do because the people 
just don't have any faith. And the people who got it, the people who were transformed by the power of God through the ministry of Jesus in the book of Mark are the ones that are often overlooked, the ones that were kind of kicked to the side, those on the margins of society. that's what the kingdom of God is like. I I was compelled to try to understand how to get a handle on on how these two teachings about the kingdom could could be brought together here in Mark. And as we look at this, the seemingly small effort that the farmer can make, that we must step forward and do and participate with God and say, God, I'm going to walk this journey with you. I want us to remember, I want me to remember today that this is God's work, that this is God's kingdom. It's not about me and it's not about you. It's about the work that God is doing in our world to bring about his kingdom. And yet our little turns into something big, something beautiful, something meaningful and significant a place where those on the outside can come and perch in the branches and find love and joy and hope and peace. That, that's what we're called to be. Right, church? That's what we're called to be. And it does throw. The church does so. The church is able to provide that and do that through you and through me and through our little mustard seed contributions that we can offer to God. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the chance to to gather in your house, to sing songs of worship, to open your word, and to read from it and learn from it, God. Today, would you be with us? Would you speak to us? Set us free to to be who you've called us to be. <laughs> we know you're at work. We know that, that in the lives of our family and our friends and our neighbors and our community, you are calling people to yourself. When it's time, would you make us ready to offer our mustard seed, our little peace, Help us to be faithful. Faithful to offer that when the time comes, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us. And have a great week.